Brian, host of Lewis Out Man with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between tools, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go give us a call? It's 291-6901. And you put a 225 in front of that, and you can reach us from anywhere inside the continent this morning that's right and we certainly wish you would we always enjoy hearing from folks anywhere from baton rouge to wherever wherever you might be <laughs> from taos new mexico to new york new york that's or right. new Quebec, Fain, canada or new fame vermont yeah i even go alaska how about that that's right hey give us a call 291-6900 excuse me 6901 that's right 6900 is the number to shop there you go <laughs> coincidentally yeah well funny how that worked out how about yeah. that huh <laughs> Sound like a lot of planning went on there. There you go, or some planning anyway. <laughs> <laughs> of course, we got a beautiful, beautiful day here in South Louisiana. Oh, about yeah. 51, 52 degrees, going up to about 60 or so. The light breeze, clear mm-hmm. skies. Oh, yeah, it's supposed Apple. to be real nice today. Yep, and those folks up in the north say, ah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like minus below. 20, 20 below zero right, right. now. <laughs> but, yeah, that is one of the great things about South Louisiana is the temperature is very, very nice most all the year. Most of the year. In summer, it gets very, very warm, and that's not the time to come. <laughs> no. Don't come June, July, and August. That's it. That's <laughs> you, it. You will not have a good time. But just about the other time. It's very, very, very nice climate here. And I was talking to a fella yesterday, and we were talking about Louisiana, and I've lived here all my life. Uh-huh. And it's just a very, very, very nice place to live. We're just talking about the different parts of Louisiana, because okay. you have North Louisiana, which is mostly agricultural and tends to be more like Texas, I think, right. than South Louisiana does. South Louisiana is totally different, more fishing and hunting and stuff like that that goes on. And just the people are a little different, the way they believe in things. and just Right, it's kind of different culture throughout different the state. culture, and of course you go to New Orleans and it's totally different again. Oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess Baton Rouge sort of falls somewhere in between all of that. Right. Because it's a two-university city for one thing, so you have a lot of fairly well-educated people in Baton Rouge, mm-hmm. a lot of higher-paying jobs in the city, so... People tend to congregate here because of that. As you move out towards the west, you get a lot of more of the Acadian-type folks who are the fishers and the hunters, the guys you see on right. all the History Channel and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they got a lot more land out there to, that's undeveloped yet. So. That's right. That's right. So it's a totally different lifestyle out there. And, then, of course, in New Orleans, it's a big city. But the one thing I find about a big city, whether it's New Orleans or New York, is that there's a very, very strong community feeling. For instance... You have the different sections of New Orleans, whether it's Uptown or the French Quarter mm-hmm. or the Bywater or the Marigny or the CBD or whatever part. But all the folks in that little section more or less see themselves as a unique and different community. Sure. And I know when I walk down the street, folks will wave. And it's almost like living in a real small town. Okay. Very, very strong feeling of that that you don't get, say, in Baton Rouge, which is a much more spread out town. Even though Baton Rouge is smaller than New Orleans. It's, it's much, much, much more spread out. Correct. So folks live in the suburbs here. And the jobs are back in the city part. And a lot of people have actually moved out to the surrounding parishes and stuff. So I find there's just less feeling of community here than there is, say, in the French Quarter or the Marigny or the Bywater, even though that is part of a much bigger city. Right. I noticed that when I went to New York. If you're from the, say, Upper West Side, you have a very strong identity with the Upper West Side. Okay. And if you're from the Upper East Side, well, it's different. You may not associate with those guys, (laughs) (laughs) but you have a very strong community right there. Uh Anyway, just a little bit of jibber-jabber <laughs> about all the different culture here in South Louisiana. Why don't you give us a call? It's 291-6901. We'd certainly love to hear from you. Of course, a busy weekend for us. we got our 40-year anniversary party tonight. Tonight going That's on. That's right. And i got my big birthday party coming up tomorrow, so okay. I guess I'll 
celebrate that in one fashion or another. (laughs) (laughs) After a certain point, they're just not quite the same. No, no, it's just another day. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. You know, I just... Over 40, I'm just, it's just another day. That's right. You know, just like yesterday. My youngest daughter, Elizabeth, will turn 30 tomorrow. Okay. I'll probably be mad at me if I told her about that, but that's a big deal for her. That's just a big old house. Baby, let me tell you, ain't nothing but a number. That's it. That's it, exactly. Trust me. Let's go to our phone lines. Paul, good morning, Paul. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Yeah, you bet. Um, I've got an 06 GMC Sierra. Okay. And I read this article. It's in regards to transmissions. Okay. Um, they said that every like thirty thousand miles or so, you should you know do a proper service, drop the base, change the filter, and all of that. But they said that maybe like every ten thousand miles, it's they suggested sucking oil through the dipstick tube. Mm-hmm. I think you can usually get like four or five quarts out. You can, yes, you sir. Just, mm-hmm. Is that is that well, feasible? Let me ask yeah. you, Paul. How do you use the truck? What do you use it for? I drive like a pate, like yeah. a grandfather. Yeah, I would say that that's probably way overkill on that particular vehicle. Number one, it's got Dextron 6 in it, which is synthetic fluid. In my experience, about 50,000 miles under your driving conditions is more than adequate. Fluid has oh, not okay. really hurt a whole lot. And I do strongly suggest that. But changing fluid out in between, while it's not going to hurt, it's really not going to benefit much of anything. If you were told me, hey, I got a 6,000-pound travel trailer that I pull, well, that's a little different story. You know, yeah, you're going to pull fluids and stuff. They, As fluid starts to get hot, the optimum temperature is somewhere around 175 degrees. As it starts to go up, for every 10 degrees you rise, you basically cut your fluid life in half. But I would be quite surprised you're ever going much over 175 in that vehicle. I think I would service it properly. That is, drop the pan, change the fluid, change the filter with the proper Dextron 6 about every 50,000 miles or, say, three or four years, whichever comes first. And I believe you'll be Mm -hmm. just fine. Is yours a six-speed or a four-speed? It's a four-speed. It does have the uh, the factory trailer towing yes, option. Sir, right. It's got mm-hmm. a tranny cooler and everything. Yeah, yeah, it. yeah. I mean, I think every 50,000 is more than adequate. It's a little 4L60E. It's a pretty good transmission. That transmission doesn't have hardly any lubrication-related problems. It does have some issues, like the reaction shell can break in it because it's a weak design. Yeah. And sometimes they'll lose a planetary or a sprag or something like that. But that's not really lubrication-related problems. Folks who never service them do have trouble, but if okay. you do it, say, every 50000 I think you'd be just fine. Oh, okay. And one other quick question. Sure, you bet. When I have the antifreeze done, I, it's done like every three years. Is it Good. wise to do the thermostat at the same time? I generally don't change the thermostat automatically if I've been changing my coolant every three years. Just because yeah. it's probably going to be in good shape. I mean, when it gets to maybe 100,000 miles, I would suggest yeah. it just as routine maintenance. Oh, okay. They do eventually go out, and even before they go out, they'll get weak, and they don't get the engine to temperature fast enough, which makes you consume more fuel. So you get to a point of diminished return trying to push it further because a thermostat is inexpensive and relatively easy to change. So at around 100,000, or if it gave me a problem before. Right, like a water pump. Because the thermostat is actually both the end of the the water pump. Mm -hmm. So I'd clearly change it if I did that. But otherwise, I'd probably push it out about 100,000. If you're changing fluid every three years, you're not very likely to have a problem. Just make sure when they change your fluid, they use distilled water and not city water. Yeah, yeah. city city water has chlorine and fluorides and all kind of silicates and stuff in it, which can damage things. But they're using a – go ahead. Now, that's something I should just ask the service place? I would. I tell you what, Paul, if you go to my website and just type in the word coolant, you're going to see probably about 10 articles on that. There's one that goes into that in depth, and it talks about changing your own coolant, and then it talks about if you go somewhere to get coolant changed, the questions to ask. 
And if you ask certain questions and you get certain answers, then you're good. Go there. If you don't get the right answers, then you probably need to look for someone else because not everyone does that properly. Yeah, because most places around here, they use and they have a machine that they just hook it up to and it flushes it out. Yeah, and I don't really like that. I would prefer to drain it because most time when they have those machines, they use one coolant, like a universal coolant, so they can run it through everything because they don't want to drain the machine out every time. And so a lot of them use a universal coolant, which I don't like. I like using the Dex Cool, which is the GM coolant mixed with distilled water. So read that right. article. That's going to give you a lot of insight. You probably know more, okay. more than the shop knows when you go in. <laughs> okay, great. Thank right. you very much. Where are you calling from, Paul? Massachusetts. All right. I, I thought I picked up that accent. <laughs> well, thanks for calling. Okay, you have a great show. Thank you very much. Well, thank, thank you, sir. You. Thanks for calling. Okay, bye-bye. bye-bye. Mm-hmm. All right, we're going to take our quick little break, but hey, you hold on. We'll be right straight back with more on the Automotive Hour. Travel my way, take the highway, that's the best. And that's why cayenne pepper should never be stored in the bathroom. Yeah! Hey, it's the Ask Alphonse show with me, Alphonse the Know-It-All Cajun. Hey! Caller, what you want to know? Alphonse, my car needs a new transmission, but I think there might be some other problems looming in the near future. I might as well get a new car, right? Well, here's what I'll recommend. Take it to the pros at Agco Automotive for a general inspection. They know their stuff and they're mighty honest. They'll be able to see if there's any problems likely in the future and tell you your best option. And if you keep your car, bring it into Agco for regular maintenance and you'll be driving it for a long time. Thank you, Alphonse. You do know it all. Say, are you as good-looking as you are smart? Well, let's just say, I know you wouldn't be disappointed. Learn more about the benefits of AGCO at agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O dot com. AGCO, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. You just join us the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldersand, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, tune to us. We'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go give us a call? We'd love to chat with you and spend some of our Saturday morning with you. And should you happen not to want to talk to us, there you go. or maybe think for of whatever, something. Maybe you don't for like what, Yeah, for whatever reason. <laughs> maybe you think of something after we go off the air, or even next week at midnight. Mm-hmm. You can always go to our website and get your questions answered that way. The address is agcoauto.com. That is A-G-C-O. AUTO.com. There's a contact bar on each and every page. Just click the button, fill out the form, and send it in. Couldn't be any easier than unless Lewis was going to come over and do it for you. That's right. That's not, <laughs> that's not very likely to happen. So. <laughs> yeah. And while you're on the site, just take a look around. You might see something that you really enjoy. We've got a fun section with all kinds of little games and puzzles and things right. like that that relate to the automotive industry. There's one, so you want to be an auto tech, that asks you some different questions that are Design of confusion. <laughs> and it gives you the answers, right? Yeah, it'll give you the answers. Okay. And uh, you can see how well you can score on something like that. All right. There's several surveys you can take, things like that. Also, we have a bunch of detailed topics, which will give you just a whole bevy of information, any topic you might be interested in. Just like when Paul called, he's interested in having the coolant change in his car. Right. He doesn't care to do it himself, which is fine. But if you read this article, you're going to know more about coolant probably than the shop you're taking it to. Sure. And so you know the questions to ask to see if this guy knows what he's talking about. Because a lot of times, if you don't know anything about it, whatever he tells you is going to sound plausible. You would think, yeah. And if you know something about it, then you can tell the real guys from... From the shysters? There you go. <laughs> or the, the unknowing? Well, what has happened in this industry, for whatever reasons, you got a lot of guys, maybe they've been doing this work for 40 years, and in the first 10 years, they learned and they learned, and 
they've got 40 years experience, but it's 10 years experience three times repeated or four times repeated. Right. They really haven't kept up. And so they're still doing things the way they were 30 years ago. And that's not working anymore. Which just simply will not work. In many cases, you're going to do damage. Sure. I had a fellow not too long ago that was saying something about he was having a lot of bad tie rods. And we hardly ever see tie rods go bad anymore. I mean, uh-huh. occasionally, but not very often. But I asked him how he was checking them. He said, well, it's like I always do. I take a big pair of water pump pliers and I smash them. And if they've got slack in them, I said, well, you do realize that these tie rods we have today are spring-loaded. And they're going to have up and down movement. The uh-huh. spring holds them tight. When you crush that down with that big pair of water pump pliers, you probably just ruin the tie rod. Right. He said, I had no idea. And he just hasn't kept up with that. Also, a lot of ball joints that are getting condemned, there's nothing wrong with them. They have up and down movement, but they're designed to have up and down movement. There is a specification for every vehicle for mm-hmm. lower ball joints. Right. And you have to be able to to be able to measure that up and down movement in them right. with a dial indicator. It's mm-hmm. not tape measure measurement. Think, it's actually right. a smaller increment of measurement that you have to measure those ball joints well, it might with. be twenty thousandths, it might be forty thousandths, but they do have up and down movement if you check them like you did the old cars with the wheel hanging down you grab the wheel okay well there's slack here it needs new ball joints right well, no it doesn't because when it's on the ground it's loaded and so it has no slack in it and the up and down movement is normal so even when you put the new one in it's gonna be the same exact way so these are just some of the things that you would think everybody would know except that they don't and it's not that they're mean or evil or wicked or nasty or they trying just, to take advantage. They right. just don't know. Have ten G and other things to keep up with. And sometimes, let's say you got a guy who's a general mechanic. Well, he's trying to keep up with fuel injection, direct injection, electronic ignition, all these other facets. Maybe he's just let his knowledge slip a bit on front ends. And it's not that he intended to. It's just that it's, he thinks he knows exactly because he always did know. And he doesn't realize it's changed. So it's a funny thing. If you don't know something, you'll seek information. Right. But if you think you know and what you know is wrong or outdated. You don't go looking for new information. You you don't know what you don't know. Right. So you just continue on. And, of course, I guess maybe it may catch up with you. It may not. You may just go on doing things the wrong way for a long, long time. I know Mm -hmm. a lot of people are doing that. Oh, yeah. But to the customer who assumes that anybody with a shingle is going to be qualified that's where we have to be really really careful guy may be a heck of a nice guy may be completely honest he may just not be up on the technology of your car and so you can get into a lot of trouble it's going to cost you money down the road sure and so it's best to know something and the best way to know something is go somewhere like my site read these articles they're going to give you probably more information than you want but at least you'll be familiar enough to be able to discuss it and see if this guy knows pretty much what he's talking about so right that is a real unbiased site there's no advertisements on it i mean it's a great wealth of information that's right and it is unbiased information it's just there for for the taking it's all free of charge i'm not trying to push an agenda i'm just trying to help people exactly and what we feel is that the more educated a person is the more likely they are going to choose us because we feel that we're the best sure and that's the reason we put out all this information but if that's not your choice that's fine also the information is still there exactly just take it and do what it is you please <laughs> <laughs> we'll go back to our phone lines with sue good morning sue hi yes your website is excellent and almost come down there from the midwest if i can't get things worked out <laughs> so should i tell you what's wrong with my you bet just sure what kind of car do you have first sue it's a Lincoln MKZ08. Okay. 89,000 miles. Okay, what kind of problem are you having? After having a carbon throttle body cleaning at a dealership mm-hmm. that 
some other dealerships aren't really, it's not their favorite dealership. Uh-huh. After going there, I found that out. Yes, ma'am. And after, when pulling off into the world, uh-huh. uh, my car started doing weird things. It started shaking. The, the uh, steering wheel was shaking. The front end was shaking. Okay. And I drove, and it seemed like it didn't want to engage properly. It was kind of lagging or something. Mm-hmm. So I went to Western Auto. They checked the back two tires, took 20 pounds out of the back two, and said to be very careful uh, knowing where I came from. And then the next thing was thought maybe it's the battery. You know, mm-hmm. it, maybe they ran when they turned the brights on, left them on it. But they ran the battery. So I bought, bought a new battery that night. Mm-hmm. And still the problem was uh, continuing. Mm-hmm. Seemed to get a little bit better. Yes, ma'am. There was not a gasket waiting at that dealership when I arrived there. They seemed to hesitate about um, wanting to do the job that day, mm-hmm. even though I'd been quoted a price and given an appointment, uh-huh. and I just sort of said, well, is there any place that can be obtained? You know, it's like one thirty in the afternoon. Yeah, let me back up just a little bit. Why did you get the throttle body clean in the first place? What, what kind of problem were you having? The code was pulled. I, I'm sorry to interrupt. The, the code was pulled by a couple of different shops that just didn't have time to get it in. Yeah, um, small sh- see, smaller there's, shops. there's really no code that says clean the throttle body. Do you know what the code was? That is what I was told. Yeah. Throttle body. Yes, ma'am. There's no such code as clean the throttle body. You know, it just doesn't generate that code. What codes are, there could be electronic type failures, and there's, you could have a sensor that's bad, that kind of stuff, but it doesn't really know if the throttle body is dirty or not. It just has no way to check. Something has to be physically inspected. Now, a couple of options. Was it doing anything other than the check engine light being on when you went in to the dealership? Any of these symptoms before? Very poor gas mileage. Okay. Extremely poor, like seven miles per gallon, wow. ten miles per gallon. Mm-hmm. I tell you what, I would want to do, uh, Sue. First off, if you could find out what the actual codes were that were in memory, because normally when you have that low of gas mileage, it's not going to have anything to do with the throttle body. Basically, a throttle body is only an air valve, it opens and closes to allow air to go into the engine. But it has really nothing to do with the fuel air mixture and all that. It's not going to affect your mileage. What normally is going to affect mileage is something like an engine thermostat that's not closing and so the engine's running cold because on old cars you remember when they used to have a choke on them you'd have to pull the choke out when they were cold and you may not remember that yeah you find out that old but the reason you had that is because when the engine's cold it needs a lot more fuel because it's running inefficiently so there's a little blade that closed across the carburetor and it made the engine get more gas well modern fuel injection doesn't have a choke but what it does when the engine's cold it double pulses the injector so it fires the injector maybe twice as long which richens up the mixture, which makes it run fine when it's cold. As it warms up, it's supposed to cut that back. And if the thermostat is stuck open, what will happen? The engine's running cold, so it continues to do that. Now, your gas mileage is going to go just straight in the toilet when that happens. That's one possibility. I'm not saying that's it, but that is one possibility. And that would also set a code. Now, another possibility is that you've got something like an oxygen sensor. Those are sensors that read the fuel-air mixture. And it tells you how much fuel you're burning in relation to air, how much oxygen is left in the exhaust, or how complete the combustion is. If one of those goes bad, it can cause the computer to add a lot more fuel. A third thing is what they call a mass airflow sensor. And that's a little sensor that tells how much air is going into the motor. So I guess the point is, you don't have to remember all that, but there's a systematic approach that anyone who knows what they're doing can go in, do a few simple tests, and tell you exactly why this is occurring. Not, well, let's try this and try that and try this. You'll run out of money before you run out of maybes and guesses. So you need a systematic approach, and it starts by reading the code. That gives you an idea of the area to start looking in. 
and then you go far from there with a few tests and then you know you're in the right place when the guy says the problem is yak 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 and you say okay do you guarantee that will fix my issue he says yes now you're in the right place if he says well i think it might be this or we're going to try this well you're probably not in the right place so that's the kind of thing you're going to have to do is find out what's causing this. Now, one thing, if it was worse when you got it back from the dealership than it was when you went in, which is kind of what I'm reading, when you clean a throttle body, in other words, a throttle body gets dirty over time. It takes it a period of time. As it starts to get dirty, it changes the, the way the car idles. Now, the computer sees that, and it allows for that. In other words, it doesn't close the throttle blade as much. It's allowing for the dirty throttle body. Now, when you go in and you clean all that out, the computer is totally confused now because it doesn't realize you've cleaned it, but it's still trying to put it where it used to be. In time, it will average this out. It'll figure it out. But that's why you say it's getting better now. That may be what's going on. And my guess is that they probably just didn't address the right problem to start with. You've still got an issue. And when they cleaned the throttle body, it just created an idle problem that's now getting better. Again, I hadn't seen the car, but that would be my take on it, just from what you're telling me. Not the gasket being improperly placed. I'm not sure what they're talking vacuum, about there. The vacuum system. Well, the, see, and there's, there's yeah, a lot of gaskets on that vehicle. Probably a hundred different gaskets right. in the in the vacuum system on the car. It could be the throttle body gasket, maybe if they took it off to clean it and that put it would back be on. One wrong. possibility, put it back on wrong. Maybe didn't hook a hose up. Mm-hmm. You know, it could be could be a lots, lot of things. Lots and lots of things. But the point is, you don't have to guess and start changing parts. What I would do first off, since you've already spent money with them, is bring it back and just say, hey, look, guys, this is running worse now than it was when I brought it in. I'd like you to take a look at it. I don't want to spend any more money, but I'd like you to take a look at it and see. Now, you'll know immediately. Either they say, well, I'm sorry it happened. Let us take a look. Okay, now you're in the right place. If they start making excuses and all, then you may just turn around and go somewhere else because it's probably easier just to spend a few dollars somewhere else and get it checked than it is to put up with all that foolishness. Right, and just take that experience as a lesson. Learning experience. Right. That's right. Go to my website, Sue, and on the front page is an article, How to Select a Shop. Read that article, and that's going to give you a whole lot of insight because a lot of folks don't really know how to find a mechanic. There's several of them in there, how to talk to a mechanic and all that stuff so you know if you got the right guy or not. The right guy could probably fix that car in an hour or less, and for minimal cost. I doubt very seriously there's anything seriously wrong with it. It's just being misdiagnosed, and people are just changing parts and guessing and throwing this and throwing that. And that's just going to be a real, real frustrating experience for you. There's one other thing, mm-hmm. if I could. Sure. It's, it's not brown, but it's a dark yellow, shiny color of fluid now in my transmission. Okay. So I have to have a dipstick off. Yeah, Sue, hold on. I got, I'm up against a break. I got to go ahead and break right now, but I'll be right back. And that's why Justin Bieber should never, I repeat, never be cloned. Hey, it's the Ask Alphonse Show with me, Alphonse the Know-It-All Cajun. Caller, what you want to know? Alphonse, my six-year-old car needs about $2,500 worth of work, a new AC, and tires. You think I should do it or invest in a new car? So how much you paid for it six years ago? $40,000. $40,000. Well, now it's valued at about $10,000, so it costs you $30,000 to drive it the last six years. That's $5,000 a year. Well, let's say you keep the car and spend about $2,500 on repairs every couple of years, which is about $1,200 a year. Way less than a new car, huh? Whoa, sounds like I need to keep my old car. Then bring it to Agco Automotive for regular maintenance, and it will last you even longer. 
Now that sounds like a good investment. Hey, Al, you got any stock market tips? Oh, for that, you got to tune to my other show, Al's Financial Hour. Oh, yeah! Learn more about the benefits of AGCO at agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O dot com. AGCO, it's the place to go. Well, welcome back. If you join us, the Automotive Hour, I'm your host, Louis Alvazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, Trudor, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. And just before the break, we were talking with Sue, and Sue's got a shiny yellow fluid in her transmission. Sue, transmission fluid clearly should be red or brownish if it's older. The only thing I can think of that would turn it yellow is some kind of a liquid getting into it, like water or coolant. And there's a number of ways that that can happen. The transmission fluid is cooling the radiator of your car. There's a little tank at the bottom. That radiator tank can rupture at times, and you'll start getting coolant into the transmission, which is detrimental. Of course, there are probably other ways it can get in. If you drive down a street with high water, it can get in through the vent, any number of other things. But if it's got coolant in it, that can be tested. There's a little test strip. All they have to do is pull a sample of the fluid, use the test strip to determine what's in it, if it's got water in it, you're probably going to have a transmission failure. Reason being is that the clutches in that transmission are water-soluble. And once water gets to them, you just can't get it out. Now, it may not fail tomorrow. It may go six months. It may go six days. It may go six years. Who knows? But if it's really got water in it, it's going to eventually fail. So what I would do is, first off, have it tested. And that's a real simple, inexpensive test. Any competent mechanic should be able to do that for you. Once you've tested it, if it's not water, then I'm not sure what it could be. Could be someone put the wrong fluid in it. If that's the case, if it's a petroleum-based fluid, you may be able to just drain it out, refill it, maybe do it a couple of times to get it out, see what happens. It may go a good ways. If it's a water-based fluid of some sort, you're more likely to have problems down the road. Okay, so the jury's out at this point, right? Yeah, there's just no way to know for certain without doing a few tests and seeing what happens. That's just the only answer there is. Okay. I'll go back to your site and read how to find a good mechanic. Uh, Dealership or no dealership? Well... Would you go dealership or... No. See, the word dealership, what most people do not realize is that a dealership is nothing but an independent shop that has bought a franchise to sell cars. They are no better or no worse than any other shop in the country. So there's no reason to go there. Now, a good dealership that's run properly is probably as good as anybody else. But just the word as a dealership has absolutely no bearing on it being good, bad, or otherwise. They can use aftermarket parts. They can have trained or untrained people. They can be equipped or unequipped just as much as anyone else can. It's just you have to find the right guy. You know, just the word dealership means absolutely nothing. That in and of itself is just not enough. If you go there thinking you're going to get something special, you're not. And I'm not saying that there aren't some fine dealerships. Probably some of them are really good. And some of them probably aren't as good as some independent shops out and vice versa. So I don't even look at that as a factor. I look at the other things that are mentioned in that article. And if you do that, I think you'll find the right guy. And I think if you find the right guy, your car woes will be over with. That puts it all in perspective. Thank you so much. All you right, have Sue. saved me a lot of money already. Well, good. Well, thank you. Where are you calling from, Sue? Kansas City, Missouri. Kansas City, Missouri. Right. Well, thanks for calling. Thank you. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. All right. 291-6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we would absolutely love to have you. And Sue's experience, as frustrating as it is to her, is not that uncommon. We see it quite a bit. Sure. Folks will come into the shop. A lot of times they'll bring a car in and they'll say, I think I have a bent frame. And you say, well, why do you think you have a bent frame? And they'll say, well, I've had my tires balanced four times and I've got a vibration and you just can't fix it. Could you check the frame? I said, well, sure, I can check the frame, but I can also diagnose the vibration for you. Right. Well, what do you mean? I said, well, it's probably not going to be a bent frame. 
it's probably going to be, well, I've had them balance four times. Well, I know, and, and I'm not saying that that wasn't done right or whatever, but not every shop has the same diagnostic abilities as every other. Correct. And not every shop is as good at any one given field as others. You may have one guy who is an absolute whiz at air conditioning, but may not be worth anything at balancing wheels. Mm-hmm. Or vice versa. Or you, you may have a guy who can find a noise like nobody else, but when it comes to a pull to the right or brakes, yeah, he may fall short on that because it's just not his field of endeavor or he doesn't have as much experience with that. And that's one reason when we set Agco up the way we did, what we did is we developed specialties, and each guy within the shop is a specialist in one field. Correct. Or two fields. Or two fields. They're all cross-trained so that everybody can kind of fill in for everybody else, but if there's an alignment issue, I'm most likely to give it to Brian mm-hmm. because Brian does alignments every day, all day long. He knows everything about it. He knows framework. He knows all the things that relate to that. I could give you a check engine light, and you could figure it out, but sure. it would take you much longer than it would Jeff because he does nothing but check engine lights all day long. Right. Same thing with a transmission problem. I might be able to give Jeff a transmission problem. He could probably figure it out in time, but if I give it to Josh, he's going to go straight to it because sure. he lives that is his field. transmission. You cut him, transmission fluid comes out. Right. So by having experts within a group, you get kind of the best of both worlds. You're getting the benefit of a specialty shop, but you're also getting the benefit of a generalist. Because when you go to a specialty shop, let's say you go to a transmission shop. Well, yes, their transmission expertise is probably pretty high, but let's say the job expands beyond that. For instance, let's say it's not actually a transmission problem. It's a running problem. Well, they may not be very good at that. Right. Or let's say it expands to something they don't do. Now you have to tow the car out and go somewhere else. So it's going to be really inconvenient to you. One classic example of that is like your Nissan Frontiers, where the transmission may go out, but the radiator has ruptured, and the cooling tank is getting coolant into the transmission, and that's what caused the failure. Right. And you may go to a guy who's a good transmission guy. He may not be aware of that problem, puts no transmission. It may Guess go right what? back out again. Exactly. So there's a big advantage to going to someone who has specialists in each and every field, and that's why we designed Agco the way we did. And I'm sure there are probably other shops the same way. But right. That's the sort of thing that you're looking for when you select a shop, that sort of ability. And that gives you a lot, lot more. A lot more convenience. More convenience and more capability right. for the shop and for you. Hey, we're going back to our phone lines with Stephen. Good morning, Stephen. Hey, good morning, guys. Yes, sir. Uh, good morning. First thing is, y'all have a great show. Well, thank I, you. I just love this show. I got a question. I've got a 2009 Volkswagen Beetle okay. convertible. Mm-hmm. And the back window on the convertible top mm-hmm. is coming loose. Okay, where it's stitched some, into the top. What's that? Where it's stitched into the top. Yeah, where it sticks into the top. Right, yes. okay. And so it hasn't dropped out, but you can tell around the edges it's getting loose. Mm-hmm. And so what can I do? What should I do? Who should I go to to well, have a look at? First off, check and see if the top has shrunk, which the tops are made out of a material that sometimes will shrink and it'll pull away from the glass. Now, if that's the case, there's not much that you can do other than replace the top because it's shrunk. It's no longer big enough to fit and cover everything like it should. If that's not the case, the stitching may have just undone. And almost anybody who does upholstery work, you know, there's guys that do seat covers and all that can also do convertible tops. And they can go in and restitch that very, very often. It may be even that they can repair it if it has shrunk. They may be able to go in and maybe sew another piece of material in that they can use to seal that. But if you take a close look, see if the top still goes as far down on the glass as it always did. Okay. If it, not, it could be the top has shrunk. That was a fairly common issue with convertible tops. I owned a convertible one time, and 
Someone told me if you would take and use Armor All on the top every so often, it would help that. So I did, and my top never shrunk. Of course, my car was garage kept also, so I, I can't conclusively say that helps, but it seemed to help with mine. But if it sits out in the sun a lot, those UV rays will tend to shrink that top, and that's the biggest issue with them. Now, like I say if the top is not shrunk, I'd find an upholstery shop, like a seat cover kind of guy, and see if he can't stitch it for you. Okay, and you don't have any specific recommendations. Are you in Baton Rouge? Yes, I'm in in Baton Rouge, of course. Yeah, there's three or four different shops in town. One called Upholstery Unlimited, who a guy named Dale Alano, who does very good work. You might check Uh with him. Over off Choctaw. Yeah, and I I think Madman Marks is out Florida Boulevard somewhere. Right. And there's one called Sons Upholstery. Not sure where Sons is at. I think they're on Greenville Springs <laughs> Road. But uh, just check the phone book. Look under automotive upholstery, and you'll find several okay. of them. And you just go by, talk to them, see what you think. Okay. All right. I'm going to do that. Yeah, because we love the car. It's in great shape, yeah. general. But it's got this little uh, issue developing. Even if you have to change the top, it's not the end of the world. It's a few hundred dollars. But, I mean, they can put a new top on them. And can I ask another question sure, about another ahead. vehicle? Mm-hmm. Okay, I've got a 2007 Chevy Silverado okay. pickup truck, mm-hmm. and I just want it, like, checked up. Like, you know, does, can I bring in a truck like this to Agco and say, hey, look, I'd like to have the, the oil changed, but also have a general cup? Absolutely. We call that a general inspection, Stephen, and what uh-huh. we do, we go through it from stem to stern. We're going to check everything. All We'll check your belts, your hoses, your codes, your pending codes, the transmission fluid. We'll check the AC efficiency. Check basically everything, all the wheels, tires, belts, all those sorts of things give you a complete list of everything we found on it and what we'll do further is we will prioritize that for you for instance this and this and this and this are very important i do them right now this and this and this i do within the next six months and this and this and this are coming up in the next two to three years so some people will say hey just fix it i want it all fixed right now other people have to budget and they'll say well yeah let's do this and then we'll come back in six months and do the other and come back in a year and look at the other again so yeah yeah, great idea I want to do that. For, I'm definitely going to do that with you guys. Mm-hmm. And is this something I should just I can just drive in and drop it off or to an appointment? It'd be best to make an appointment because if you drop it off with me, I will try my best to accommodate you. But it may be a day or two because sometimes we have 30 or 40 cars in a given time. If you call Lane and make an appointment, they guarantee it's going to be in and out the same day. I have a guy waiting, and when you get there, you know that day they will check it. They will call you back, and they'll give you the prices, and then they'll fix it the same day. That way you're in and out one day. It's just more convenient. If you don't use the truck every day, like you can sit up for a couple of days, you can drop it any time, and I'll work it in. It just may take it more than a day. Uh, yeah, I think I'll do the appointment okay, uh, deal. Okay, all right, this is great. Thank you, guys, and, and thank you for your show and yeah. really your, your shop, just you know the really quality work you do, and this is great to have somebody like you guys in town. Well, great. Well, I appreciate you, you calling. Okay. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. All right. We're going to take one last quick little break, and we'll be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. And that's why you never put a dead or live octopus in the microwave. Hey, it's the Ask Alphonse Show with me, Alphonse the Know-It-All Cajun. Hey! Caller, what you want to know? Alphonse, my old truck needs some repairs. Or should I buy a new one to save money? Well, let me get out my calculator here. Let's say a new truck costs about $35,000 plus $3,500 or so in taxes, then higher insurance. 
And you know, in about three years, the value is going to drop to about 15000 That's $8,000 a year just to drive it. Wow, never thought of it like that. I suggest taking it to Agco Automotive for a general inspection to see if your old truck is worth keeping, which I think it is. And if so, keep bringing it to Agco for regular maintenance, and you'll be able to drive it for a whole lot longer. And I can spend money on other things like my beautiful wife. I'm assuming she's right there in the room with you, huh? Alphonse, you do know it all, don't you? Learn more about the benefits of Agco at agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Agco. It's the place to go. Hey, thanks for joining us. This is the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alvesan, president of Agco Automotive. Got our lead tech, Mr. Brian Terry, right here in the co-pilot seat. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. we still got plenty of time. Got all our lines wide open. Please give us a call. It's 291-6901. We'd love to hear from you. And as several other people have done, they put a 225 in front of that number and got a hold to us, and we got your questions answered this morning. That's right. No matter where you are, if you're in the United States or outside the United States, just hit the country code, which is 01. Okay. And you can call us from anywhere you may be we'd love to hear from you love of course to, you may have to get up in the middle of the night to do it but uh <laughs> we'd still love to hear from you know where you are that's absolutely right i had a fellow who came in the shop this week and he was talking he said man you get a lot of calls from out of state I said, right well this particular radio station has a large listening audience but they don't tend to call in as much as some others i know i got a lot of folks who say yeah i listen i just don't call in right but People around the country, and this goes out on a podcast, so people all over the country get, and literally all over the world. Sure. We tend to get more calls from outside of the state and city here than we did at the old station we used to be at. We used to get mostly local calls over mm-hmm. there. But that's good either way. We always enjoy it and love hearing from you. We love all our Baton Rouge listeners as well. And if you're just sitting there, what, what do you call a lurker? A lurker. <laughs> a lurker. If you're just sitting there listening, give us a call. Hey, we ain't going to bite. We'll get you some information and get a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to get it explained to you firsthand. <laughs> That's right. I see we got a couple of emails. We do. We have a gentleman from Mr. Peterson from Florida. Mm-hmm. Actually, he's got a 03 Saturn. And after having the battery replaced in his car, he said the power steering was off. And he was wanting to know, is there anything else he should do about it? Or, you know, he had the battery replaced, but he didn't get a vent and would like the old one. Right. And he had a question about what should he do. Yeah, well, that car, the battery is mounted inside an enclosed case, so it does need a vented battery. It's best to go back with the exact replacement on that and not another brand. Because if it doesn't have the right vents, little tubes aren't going to hook up. And it could actually spray some acid out of those vents or fumes out of those vents and cause problems. So best to go back with an exact replacement. That car also has a nasty problem. It's got a big fuse. I think it's about a 50-amp maxi fuse. And when you change the battery, if you bump those cables a couple of times, you can actually blow that fuse. Right. And some folks haven't learned yet or hadn't caught on yet that a lot of the newer cars have electric power steering. Sure. It's not like the hydraulic power steering we had before. It just hardly ever gave problems. Electric power steering, if you blow that big 50-amp fuse, you're going to lose your power steering. You won't lose steering, but you will lose your power steering. Correct. So always check that fuse. Also, there's a pretty high failure rate on the modules that drive that. In fact, this week earlier, we had, I think it was a Chevy Impala that came I think it was. And the module had gone bad on it. young lady was driving it, and very, very scary thing because she was not a very big person. 
And when she lost her power steering, she really couldn't control the car. Had it towed in, and we changed the power steering control module, which right. is a part that 10 years ago probably didn't exist. So exactly. A lot of folks, if you say power steering control module, they don't know what you're talking about. Well, back then, it was everything was hydraulic. Everything was hydraulic. But now, it, everything's moving more toward electric. That's right. Because eventually, they're going to do away with all the hydraulic, and they'll be able to put an electric car together. Mm-hmm. And these are just the components they're working out in the process well, before they get that one that, finalized. It cuts the load on the engine somewhat, which helps get better fuel mileage so they're going to that it's lighter in some cases for instance an electric steering column generally the stepper motor and the module are all built into the column on most vehicles not all and that entire assembly weighs less than a big steering box and a power steering pump and hoses and all the other stuff and you still got to have the steering column so it's just a way to reduce weight it's a way to cut drag on the motor and it does cut drag somewhat, but you got to remember that power still has to be returned, so the alternator has to work harder right. because it has more draw. So that's going to put some load back on the engine. That's one reason why modern cars, the electrical system is so, so critical. It's not like the old days where you could substitute batteries, put a smaller battery, and you get by. Because under many circumstances, the battery is actually subsidizing the alternator. The alternator Correct. just can't keep up at an idle because of all the draw on the system. So electrical charging systems are much more critical because of all the electrical accessories. Some of the more modern cars actually have electric water pumps on them now, yeah. and they may have two or three of those. So all of these things are drawing on that electrical system. So at an idle, your car may actually be discharging, even though the alternator is perfectly good, and the battery has to subsidize it, right. which puts a lot more load on the battery. So go back to our phone lines. John, good morning, John. Hi, it's John from Toronto calling. Hey, John, how you doing, man? Good. I had to phone and wish you a happy anniversary for your 40th. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah, that's fabulous. And uh, I know you made a lot of people happy over the last 40 years. Well, I've sure tried to. I don't know I made everybody happy, but <laughs> I, I, <laughs> we, we, yeah, I... We, we do our darndest. Did you say it's your birthday this week? It's my birthday tomorrow. Yes, sir. Now, are you going to tell us? Yeah, February 1st. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, you tell us. <laughs> yeah, older than dirt. <laughs> now you've, you've outed your daughter you should out yourself too. that's right i know I, I don't quite remember world war ii but almost <laughs> well i'm 68 but i i just love your show and i and I, I saw you winding down for the end of the day and there was a bit of space and i just i know everybody that listens wants to wish you a, a wonderful uh, birthday and anniversary well have great. fun tonight guys well, I, sure I, I looked on the web page to see the place you're going it looks fabulous. Yeah, yeah, very, very, very nice. Chef John Foles does a real nice job. Oh, yeah. That's out of what they call White Oak Plantation. He does a real fine job. Well, have a drink for me. Uh, we'll do it. All right, thanks. All right, John. Thanks, thanks for calling, man. Okay, bye-bye. bye-bye. All right. That's John from Toronto. Right. A regular listener on the show, a regular contributor as well. Super nice guy. Oh, yeah. Uh, he and I have actually become pretty good friends just from all the email. Email. Time, right. Time we talk back and forth. We were talking just a little bit about the electrical system on cars and it's not unusual now for folks to come in and the battery in their car keeps going dead uh-huh. and they've had the battery check and it's okay and they had the electrical system check and it's okay and it just can't figure out what's going on but you got to remember if you don't drive the car very much for instance there are some elderly people who may only drive their car a few miles a week maybe four or five miles a week mm-hmm. now when you crank the engine you're taking a tremendous load yeah. out of that battery. You're pulling 175 to 200 amps out of the battery to crank the car sure. over. Sure. Now, when you start up and you drive, your alternator is turning very slow because at an idle, it's only turning about 600 to 700 RPM at most. And even driving slow, it's probably turning 1,000 RPM or so. 
it may not even reach the break-even point at that RPM. To recharge the battery. If you start to speed it up to maybe 2,000, then it's putting out more power because the alternator is turning faster. Correct. And the more power puts the charge back into the battery and operates the car. But let's say you drive the car three, four miles a week, and you only drive a very low speed. The alternator is actually not putting out enough output to charge the battery. So you're taking power away from the battery to operate the car. Sure. And after a period of a month or so, your battery is going to go dead. Right. It just can't take that constant, constant 200, control. 175, 200 amp right. out of it every time you crank it and, and not put back. I compared it. I had a lady who was having a little bit of trouble understanding. I said, well, let's think of it this way. It's sort of like a checking account. Okay. If you keep writing checks and you quit making deposits – you can overdraw at some point. Right. And that's what's happening is that the car is writing checks, is taking power out of the battery to subsidize the alternator because it's not turning far enough or long enough. And you're not putting it back, which is driving it longer and further. Now, at very least, if you do crank it up and drive it, it's going to probably shorten the life of your battery considerably. Sure. You may only get a year's life out of a battery. Because it's constantly being discharged, or you're deep cycling this battery. You're discharging it, and then you're recharging it, discharging it, you're recharging it. And so it's going to die real quick. Mm-hmm. Folks who are forced to operate under those conditions, that's the conditions you drive under, then that's just the conditions you drive under. Correct. But you got to realize you're probably only going to get about a year, maybe not even that much, out of a good battery. Mm-hmm. So it's not a problem with the car. It's just the, the way, way it's being operated. Correct. And if that's the way you have to operate, that's fine. One thing you could do is there are some computer-controlled chargers on the market today Yes, that you can put on, and they will do a very slight trickle charge on that battery, and you might just hook it up and plug it in every day. Mm-hmm. And that would keep your battery charged up, and that would help to eliminate this problem. There are even some of them that are solar-powered, and I've if your car sits outside, you can lay this little solar panel on your hood, and it will just trickle charge the battery just enough to keep it up. And that may extend your battery life out considerably. Sure. That's actually a great idea, say, mm-hmm. on a generator. That's right. Because a generator comes on once a week, mm-hmm. does this run cycle, mm-hmm. and then it shuts off, unless it's being used for other things. But during a normal cycle, it's doing the same thing to the battery that you would be doing to the car. Right. So if you put that on your generator, you could actually maybe prolong the life of the battery in the generators right. also. And with a generator, because the amperage draw on the starter is so low relative to a car, you could probably use a deep cycle battery like you use in a boat. Right. Because what you're doing is deep cycling the battery. But a deep cycle battery won't work in a car because you need a cranking battery. Correct. you got to have that six, seven, eight hundred cold cranking amps to be able to turn that starter motor when that engine's cold because a great big motor with a great big starter that draws a lot of amperage so right. deep cycle battery will not work in a car but it was generated you might do that and that might also help you so i tell you i see we are just about out of time we need to start winding on up here so they don't give us a bum's rush <laughs> <laughs> i want to tell everybody how much we appreciate them listening this morning and every saturday morning on automotive hour sure I'd like to thank our podcasters for listening this week and every week and Go to your favorite broadcast service, iTunes, iHeart, Stitcher, whatever it may be, and look on there. Give us a written rating if possible. That's right. If it has the capability to give us a written review, we really appreciate that because Brian and I don't get paid to do the show, and that's the only way we know we're doing a good job is when we see the written reviews. Not only that, but most of these services look at the number of written reviews you get right? how current they are. And that's how they rank you. That's how they're going to rank your service. In other words, if you have 150 written reviews and a lot of them are current, they were put on within the last six months. Mm-hmm. They're going to figure this is a pretty good show. So, so they're, they're going to move, move it, up. it up in the search function. So when someone searches auto repair, 
that show is going to come up ahead of some of the others. Now, when a person is looking for a show on auto repair, they may not want to search through 150 shows. Right. So if yours is towards the top, they're more likely to find it. Of course, if they find it and they like it, then they're more likely to refer other people. So and on and on it goes. There so, goes uh, the vicious circle, right? There you go. <laughs> or, or the, the wonderful circle, as, <laughs> as I like to think about it. Hey, we will take a minute there just thank everybody who listened, all our out-of-town guests and our around-the-country guests. We really appreciate you listening. Preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.